Hi everyone, thanks for joining us. This is Morgan Harper here at LISC headquarters in New York City, and I'm joined by Maurice Jones. Nice to be with you. As usual. Uh, but exciting treat here is to also have one of our local office executive directors, Adriana Aberiotis. Adriana? Hello. Hello, happy to be here. Thank you for joining us. So um, we're all here, as we know, a few days out from the Super Bowl, which mm. seems like a, a moment to acknowledge, national holiday of sorts. Uh, and, and Maurice, I, I thought you could talk to us a little bit about this partnership with the NFL. We're not, we're not going to focus the whole conversation on that today, but it seemed like a good moment just to... Oh, yeah. Things there. We've got a fabulous partnership with the NFL. In fact, we will be celebrating this year, the 20th year of that partnership. We work with them and com community partners to build high-quality fields in communities all over the country. They've invested approximately $50 million with us. We have in turn worked with community groups to build over 350 fields, which allows um, youth and adults to have these high quality fields to uh, exercise on, play sports on, and other kinds of recreation. It's if you want communities of opportunity, you have to have these high quality recreational uh, options and that's what the partnership with the NFL has allowed us to pursue. It's and I think stuff. it's, yeah, very good stuff. And I think it's actually resulted in about 350 fields in Minnesota statewide. Adrian, I don't know if anything else you wanted to say about the, uh, the field program in, in the Twin Cities market. Well, we did just open another field at the Como Park High School, which was exciting. That was last fall. And so that brings a total of nine fields that we've done in the Twin Cities, in addition to a field in Duluth. So uh, you can see the efforts kind of all over the region here. It's really exciting. Yeah, and that's part of the 350 uh, okay. or so 350 that we overall. have across the country nationwide. Got it. Okay. So All right, great. So yeah, and we're planning to have a later podcast that would, would delve a little bit more deeply into our sports programming. But today, like I said, we really wanted to spend some time to hear from Adriana and uh, hear more about the Twin Cities program. So, um, you know, Adriana, to, to kick things off, I thought you could talk to us a little bit about, you know, community development in Twin Cities. I think from the outside, we have this perspective that Twin Cities, it's a, it's a great place to be. It's one of the most desirable and livable places in the country, high employment, all of that. Um, so what is the, what is the need in community, for community development work in the Twin Cities? Thanks, Morgan. It is uh, an exciting uh, industry and opportunity here. We've been operating as the LISC program since 1988, so we are actually celebrating our 30th anniversary. And over that time, I think what we've been able to do is build a really robust community development sector where we're combining affordable housing and physical redevelopment with economic development financial opportunity and neighborhood livability. And so we oftentimes see the fruits of our efforts. We, you see a lot of exciting things happen in neighborhoods, but at the same time, we're working really hard to make sure that everyone benefits from that op opportunity. So really going deeper into connecting uh, low and moderate income people to economic employment opportunities and career pathways is a huge uh, emphasis of our effort here. We're also spending a lot of time thinking about 
how do you mitigate any kinds of pressures of gentrification to ensure that people who have been living in neighborhoods get to enjoy kind of the benefits as neighborhoods improve, but then also have a choice to uh, stay and have neighborhoods that are recognizable to them and are able to uh, benefit uh, from having uh, stores and amenities and communities kind of nearby. So we do a lot of work in kind of cultural corridor uh, work in uh, really lifting up small businesses and creating uh, destination placemaking kind of in neighborhoods. So it's really an exciting time. And if we could come back to the economic development piece. So that's a topic we've we've discussed with Maurice before in a prior podcast. And I, I did think it would be interesting to hear a little bit more about how LISC's overall economic development strategies play out in in the Twin Cities, in one of our local markets. So I don't know, Maurice, I don't know if you have more to say about that translation of the, the national strategy to local market and, and a little bit about what it looks like. Yeah, I think in, Adriana, you chime in here, but um, I have in mind, for example, the recent moves we've made to bring the largest minority-owned construction uh, company, for example, bring their headquarters into North Minneapolis, if I'm remembering correctly. That uh, combined with the work we're doing with the Federally Qualified Healthcare Center, which is on the same uh, corridor, uh, and there's a um, funeral home also right there within that cluster, is an incredible opportunity for us to make investments that will produce good jobs for that uh, neighborhood, that will also enhance the health opportunities that people have with respect to that federally qualified healthcare center. And we are also uh, enabling a business that's been there for a while to get new real estate and hopefully continue to expand. And so this notion of high quality jobs, entrepreneurship, small business, minority business owners, it all, you can see it all coming into focus with this North Minneapolis uh, corridor that we've been working on for quite some time. Uh, does that make sense, Andriana? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. And I think uh, what we'll ultimately end up seeing is uh, nearly $100 million worth of investment, both from the public and private sector at that intersection of Penn and Plymouth Avenues. And so it's a really exciting time. We were able to help make the headquarters for Thor Construction happen, which is a great way of using kind of all the full range of the tools in the list toolbox for economic development. But we're also going uh, deeper in helping support the Penn Plymouth partners at that intersection, really fully maximize and optimize the economic and health outcomes for uh, neighbors kind of in that surrounding region. So whether they're patients at North Point Health and Wellness or they're uh, clients of Minneapolis Urban League, which is also a partner, or if they're part of the exciting entrepreneurship work that's going to be happening inside uh, the Thor headquarters space. It's it's uh, a prime example of how you can put these pieces together and leverage what is a public, private, and community set of uh, partnerships that are all coming together. And Adriana, 
following up with that, can you talk to us a little bit about, you know, and, and again, this is a, a topic we've discussed before on a national scope, but this idea of the opportunity gap. I, th I think a lot of people, and getting back to the idea of how much growth there has been in the Twin Cities, things seem like they're doing pretty well, but a little bit more of like what that looks like on the neighborhood level and what are some of the gaps or opportunities that these communities mean, Phil? Yeah, I think um, when we use the example of the Penn and Plymouth intersection, we spend a lot of time thinking about what are the exciting redevelopment opportunities and we work really hard to getting the permanent financing lined up and the construction gets underway. But that's where it ends oftentimes. And I think what we're doing is going the next uh, steps that are needed to ensure that construction jobs are accessible for neighborhood residents uh, for those uh, projects, that the permanent jobs that will be located there, how do we think about lining up the career pathways into the North Point Health and Wellness? Those are examples, not only at that intersection, but we're thinking very deeply about how we connect all of our real estate investments, which we have uh, happening all over the region here, how are we connecting that back up to workforce development pipelines? And so working very closely with uh, city and county and state uh, public leaders around ensuring that those pathways are happening, that our community partners are pairing uh, not only job readiness, but uh, thinking about how to use the financial opportunity center model where we're thinking about family financial stability alongside just getting access to a job. So I think it's a deep intentionality in linking these uh, strategies together. The challenge has often been is that there's no one entity that does everything. So it's really about knitting together those partnerships, the col collaboration that it takes to really um, ensure that the things that we want to see happen and our in good intentions when we set out are actually fully realized. Right. But, the, you know, the Twin Cities has incredible assets for us to work with, right? You have a really strong community development industry that's been there for a while, of which we're a part. That's number one. You've got, and they've got high capacity. It's a very innovative uh, setting for this work. I think we have now six financial opportunity centers uh, in the Twin Cities. They've got exceptional public-private partnerships uh, that we've seen that we're trying to tap into, and they're already working as a region. Mm -hmm. And so the kinds of things we're trying to do with connecting people with regional job opportunities, uh, those kinds of things, there's an infrastructure already in place in the Twin Cities for us to build on. And so the gaps that we see in affordable housing, the racial wealth gap, those are gaps that we have infrastructures to work on uh, or to work through to get at this stuff. And so the opportunities there are great. We've invested in 30 years about $650 million in the Twin Cities arena, and we've leveraged over $2 billion. Uh, this is one of our top 10 markets. It will remain so. There is great work to be done there, and it's a great environment within which to do the kind of work we're trying to do. Great. Um, 
And those are big numbers. And so, you know, one thing we hear a lot, or I've found since my time at LISC, is there's this perception that community development, in addition to being highly localized, that maybe there's something about it that's small ball. You know, it's very, like what Adriano was saying, it's, it's project-based, it's incremental. You don't get the transformative change through community development. But like you said, Ray, these are big numbers. So how would how would both of you respond to, I don't know if it's really a critique, but it's an observation or maybe a misunderstanding of the impact that community development can have? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I if you look at what we've done, $650 million there, we've had, that's produced... If I got my numbers right here, uh, over 2 million square feet of facility space. And it's also brought in, as I said, over two, actually it's close to two and a half billion dollars of project money. That's, that's good investment and it's produced results that we can be proud of. What we all have to be cognizant of, though, is the economic forces that are producing these gaps between people. Are Those forces are moving at incredibly fast paces, and we just have to pick up our own pace. Mm-hmm. But there's no question that what we do with partners works, and it can create big um, opportunity for folks in the Twin Cities we just can never be complacent. We need to make bring more people to the table, and we have to work faster. No question about it. Right. Adriana, anything you want to add? Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I think um, oftentimes we lose sight of just how big market realities and forces are that we're operating in. We like to think that we have some level of control over that, and as we work with whether it's government or the private sector philanthropy, Oftentimes we think that this is within our, our, our reach and our control. And I, and when we boil it down to let's tackle these specific projects, then we can see progress and then we see that visible change. And so it is project by project and block by block. The problem is I think it takes a lot of uh, time and energy, like Maurice is saying. It's like how do we make sure that we're constantly bringing that into view Oftentimes, LISP's work is very early in the process, and we're really a but-for test. Like, but-for LISP being involved, that project wouldn't have been a reality. But by the time it's actually to the grand opening, folks have forgotten, like, how did we get there? And so I think we could spend more time um, being able to kind of uh, lift up and communicate how uh, and show people how this work comes together. Uh, It is not... Uh, easy work. If it would have been, it would have been done by now. You know, so I think we are trying to find ways in which we can bring that into view, so that more folks feel like they can get involved, get engaged, and could accelerate similar kinds of work happening. Kind of. And you have specific plans connected with your thirtieth, right? The thirtieth anniversary. You have specific. Uh lifting up conversation plans, I think? Yeah, in fact, we're calling it block by block so that we can do a lot of cross-sector work. The housing folks don't know the economic development folks, don't know the uh, arts and culture people, don't know the health folks, right? So we're trying to get them together in a room so that they can start to see how different sectors have uh, resources and approaches and strategies that we can knit together to really create the vibrant 
uh, inclusive communities, resilient communities that uh, we know are possible and that we're seeing kind of happen right in front of our faces. Like, how do we raise that up so that everybody can see that, enjoy it, and be engaged in the effort? Twin Cities have a great opportunity. Super Bowl <clears throat> will be there in less than a week. Uh, the Twin Cities will be the most watched city around the world, uh, at least for a week's time. And uh, we hope that the message gets out that the place has tons going for it, but it also has tons of opportunity that with the right investments and with people staying engaged over time can lead to incredible opportunities for our youth. And that's, uh, that's what it's all about at the end of the day. Great. Well, I think that's a great note to end on, Maurice. Thanks for joining me. And Adriana, thanks again for joining us remotely, direct from the Twin Cities and the, the site of the Super Bowl coming up soon. So thanks again. Thank you. Thanks. Stay well.